Does your bike need some love? Shimano Original Replacement Parts are the best way to renew the original function of your Shimano-equipped bike. Available online and at your local retailer. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I am Celine Yeager, and with me is my co-host, Patrick Brady. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. Happy post-Thanksgiving, and welcome back, Patrick. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. Um, I have a little announcement. Oh, a little bit of right. news. Uh, I'm taking on a new role in addition to my duties here and with RKP. Okay. Remember how last week I talked about there being a new advocacy organization here in California called the California Mountain Biking Coalition? Yep. Well, I was tipping my hand a little bit. Mm. <laughs> um, I've just been named their interim executive director. What does that mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, fair question. Uh, so my duties are clustered around communications, outreach, and development. Uh, so mm-hmm. I've got to go find funding so that they can hire more staff than just me part-time. Um, and then they wanted me in part because, oh, yeah, I'll be really good at connecting with the media and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like helping to write the website, things like that. And for me, the opportunity to actually work in advocacy and change cycling for a huge mass of people. Holy cow. This is awesome. That's awesome. I'm so excited. Um, but yeah, um, you know, now that the feline has departed that particular sack, you know, I'll talk about this, uh, more, more in weeks to come. Um, yeah. When do you start? I have. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. Yeah. I spent a big chunk of Tuesday, uh, working on stuff for them. And there was a, in the evening, there was a huge conference call. I mean, biggest conference call I've ever been on. It was like 40 ish people. And that's a huge conference call. Okay. That's a huge conference call. Uh, I mean, there were really only like, I've been on some things like that at, at you know, like Hearst where, not a lot of people are talking. We're all just listening. Mm-hmm. But like to have that many people on a call is still a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So it was mostly the board members. I talked two or three different times. You know, that was when they actually announced uh, the hiring of, of moi. And uh, I was a little nervous, maybe, maybe, a mm-hmm. little, maybe a little touch. But I- I'm pleased to say that, you know, my excitement and enthusiasm for the role completely drown that out. You know, once I started talking, it's like, yeah, let's do this. I'm just so excited about, I mean, it's crazy to me that mountain biking celebrated its 40th birthday this past Thanksgiving. That's the first time the term mountain biking was ever used was the appetite seminar up Mount Tam. And there was a newspaper story like the next day or the day after in which the, the term mountain biking was used first time in print. 40 years ago. Okay. And in all that time, there's never been a single statewide advocacy organization speaking up on behalf of mountain bikers. Hmm. 
considering also that California is the fifth largest economic engine in the entire world. Oh, I know. I know. We hear about you guys. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I don't know, maybe we ought to get it together here. So this is a really exciting development. And, you know, we've got we've got friends in high places and it's it's time to get to work on this. And, you know, honestly, there have been some really interesting developments, some of them very exciting at the state parks level. So, mm-hmm. you know, I could see the possibility in the next five years, mountain biking and gravel riding really being transformed in California. I see that potential. Are you um, going to be tasked with dealing with the e-bike? Uh, we are. As well? Okay. So we are monitoring that. Uh, our, our, uh, our outlook are the positions we take will reflect the positions of our member organizations. So organizations like, well, we hope mountain bikers of Santa Cruz, but certainly, uh, Corba concerned off-road bicyclists, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Stimba, the San Diego mountain bike association, Remba up here in the North Bay. So we will take our cues from them. We, we are meant to be a voice on behalf of our member organizations rather than just pulling our own positions out of thin air. And so we are going to be polling them, kind of taking the temperature of the room. And we're, our plan is to stay engaged with the industry on that issue. We want to have an open dialogue with them, but we have not come out pro against anything. We understand all the challenges that there are. The, mm-hmm. the industry is making these bikes and they're selling them. And there are places where they're legal to ride them, places where they're not. Then there's the attitude of a great many riders, which is not particularly favorable. And so, you know, some of our job is going to be diplomacy in this. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and finding a way that hopefully everybody can coexist, but, you know, certainly we're not taking a, a, a a forward looking, positive, favorable, endorsing approach on e-mountain bikes just yet. I won't say that couldn't happen, but I certainly don't have the ability to say that that is going to happen, but cool. Yeah, we got a, we got a lot of work there. You know, we need to talk to a lot oh, yeah. of people. We need to do Everybody a whole does. <laughs> lot of listening. Yeah. So I'm, you know, it, I mean, that's just one of many things where hopefully we can bring a lot of people to the table and get them to talk in a cordial and civil fashion. Right. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I'm ready God's to embrace speed. that. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, what you been up to? Oh, it was a, it was a really nice Thanksgiving. It was a, it was, it was pretty delightful. We rode down in Fountainhead, as I mentioned, where my, where my brother lives, which is really cool trail system. And then the next day we went back up to Philly. Well, not the next day. It was Saturday. We went up to Philly and rode Belmont Plateau, which is another uh, really unique urban riding place where the trails are really cool. And it's amazing how much, amazing how many trails you can cram into it city park <laughs> you know what i mean uh-huh. like yeah. it's there's a lot of it's it's cool it's, it's cool when people are put their heads together and 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 make a really special place of riding in in an urban area like that i have a, a huge appreciation for that actually um so that was that was really fun and then sunday womp womp i broke out my rollers for the first time of the season 
on oh. Sunday. I, I, I had gone to the gym in the morning with every intention of then riding outside and it was 35 degrees and rain, just steady oh. rain. Right. <laughs> and no, I mean, there's just, I've, if I need to race in that, that's one thing mm-hmm. and I'll test gear in it and I'll force myself when I need to, but um, you have to you have to reserve your will like that, your willpower. So I had no need to do that. I so I got out my I have a roller bike, actually, which is an old Trek Madone. I got okay. it 11 years ago. Actually, just a little Facebook memory popped up and I was like, that was 11 years ago. <laughs> and uh, every year I pull it out, I'm the tires look skinnier and skinnier <laughs> and skinnier. <laughs> Because it's got 23s on it, right? And I, they look so skinny to me. I can't even, and I know that, I mean, I've ridden 19s at one point in my life, which I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I can't even, anyway. um, I do have my inside ride emotion rollers, which I have also used, I think, for like 11 years. I mean, I think uh, I've, I've tried different trainer setups, but I don't like being locked in. So I've always just pulled these out. You know, for those who don't know, the the emotions are those ones that are on a sled. So you can stand up and they kind of shift with you. Mm-hmm. It's just the it's just the closest thing to real outside riding that I have found in inside. Um, and and it's nice, like as opposed to other rollers, you don't have to sit there with laser focus. You know what I mean? Like you, you, or to go sailing off of them. You have to work pretty hard to like mess up on these things. OK, um, yeah. But, you know, it's funny, as usual, like, I you know, did a little post and everyone's like, what? You don't Zwift? You know, why are you like, why are you still a cave woman in your mudroom, you know, staring at the, wall, <laughs> staring at the walls? Um, and I have Zwifted. I get it. I like it. I've trained a road. I've, I've Sufferfested. I've, I've tried them all. Um, and I always go back to my cave. Uh, it's a sunny cave. It's not the basement or anything. It's got, like, nice natural light. Uh, you know. Um, but I, I just, I don't, I actually, I thought about this a lot and I realized that I actually just don't want those distractions. Like, I, I don't, I don't like them. I, I like, what I like about that process is actually being in that process of like being on my rollers and spinning and being inside my head a little bit and uh, taking that time to just sort of quiet everything. Um mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm, it's for me, it's as much mental training as it is physical. And if I'm, if I'm doing those other things, it takes out the mental training component for me. I can appreciate that. I, I, I can, for some reason, <laughs> if I'm not moving, I'm too deep inside my head. I, oh, I understand that too. <laughs> yes. That's what I have a lot of uh, playlists and podcasts. I mean, it's not like I'm in silence for God's sakes. I mean, let's not go crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I need the safety net as it were. <laughs> I, I, I understand. And I'm not talking totally doorways. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. I do. But it's just, it's funny. Like I get that every year and, and increasingly I get that question because I get, you know, the, this with, I get it. This with thing is, it's its own sport and it's fun. And I understand, I do understand, but it's, it's funny. My friend, Rich, who is now all into Zwift, um, we may never see him again. Like so many Zwifters, you know, he laughed at me when I'm like, I don't want to be around all those people. Cause he didn't understand. Like you kind of are around a ton of people. Now when you get on Zwift, there's like, 
it's insane how many people you're riding with. And I know they're not real, but they are kind of real. And I don't know. It's every time I go back on Zwift, it's, it's, you know, it's just different enough that it's like, wait, what? What's, what's going, what am I doing now? What? (laughs) I do love the landscape. I will say that about Zwift. I mean, one of the things that I think is cool when I do, I, I do some guest rides here and there with groups which is mm-hmm. funny too. Um, I, I love the fantastical landscape of it. I think that's very, very cool. Uh, but yeah, then I go back to my cave. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. <laughs> anyway, yeah. which kind of segues into, you know, my poll because I've also been thinking it's that time of year mm-hmm. where I start thinking about the stuff I want to do next year. Okay. Right? Like, yep. and it's, it's, it's interesting because you almost at this point have to start thinking about what you're going to do next year. I mean, a lot of a lot of events have opened and closed, you know, within like minutes. It's yeah, that's uh, I mean, that's that's an event organizer's dream come true. It is. It is. I mean, that that's that is true. But it's it's also an that's a problem in and of itself. And that's almost another poll for another time. You know, I mean, especially now that I just wrote that piece that came out today that led. Lifetime bought Crusher and the Tusher. Yeah. I was going to ask you about yeah. that later, but please continue. We'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that a little more later. But, um, you know, that that opening close very in four minutes or whatever is. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Um, you know, in on one hand, it's awesome. On the other hand, it's shutting the door on a lot of people. The ever optimistic person in me believes that that just opens the door for other events to come up and welcome those people with open arms. And I actually do really believe that because even though those events are amazing and they are, a lot of events are really great. They don't get that much attention, you know, and, and they're they're all on bike reg now and you can find stuff around you that is super fun and beautiful. And, you know, I'm maybe it's not getting the hype, you know, it doesn't have the hype machine behind it, but that doesn't mean it's lesser. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to have an amazing time and see amazing things and have a great day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. I were to go back to the Midwest right now to do an event, I'd want to do uh, Bobby's ride, the Land One Land Run 100. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. I want to I want to go do that one. And, you know, I mean, it's only 100, so I don't have to train incessantly for it. Well, uh, that's. That's true. It's still that a hard hundred. I'm not, you know, <laughs> especially if it rains, right. <laughs> you know, let's, let's say. Right. But yeah. Oh yeah. yeah I mean, any of those, any hundred miles off road is a hard hundred. Let's, let's be clear. But I, I say it all the time. Like that coast to coast gravel ride is so rad across Michigan. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't get a lot of the, and they don't, I think they intentionally don't put a big, big hype machine behind it. I don't think they, they have any ambition to make it a thousand person event. You know, that's just not what their their end game is, but it's like totally worth those little gems are out there and mm-hmm. they're, they're worth checking out for sure. You know, if the door shuts on you for one of these big events, you can, you can go on Twitter and cry if you want, but you can also just go and like, look, look around. Cause there's a lot of stuff out there. There's yeah. a lot of stuff out there. And you can set kinda, a reminder on your iPhone for next year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. It's, it, it's all, it's all good. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, uh, I, with that kind of in my head, you know, I got invited uh, 
I got offered a comp to do that lead boat challenge, which for for those who don't know what that is, was, will be, um, it is the Leadville 100 mountain bike race on Saturday, I think second weekend in August, I believe. And then the next day, Steamboat Gravel, which is 140 miles of a gravel course. And the, the two combined is like this lead boat challenge. Um, I opted not to apply. It was a, it was actually a, a pretty tough decision because I do love a big, dumb challenge as much as <laughs> anybody loves a big, dumb challenge. But, uh, you know, the logistics just weren't. I, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, I know I would have to ship out or fly with two bikes. I would have to get lodging. Yeah, you can't do. Everyone talks Leadville. Oh, it's a it's not a gravel ride. It is a mountain bike race. And yes, I know everybody Travis Brown did it on drop bars in 1990 whatever, but nobody has done it since because that wasn't a very successful venture. I mean, he uh, Yeah, it's a it's a mountain bike ride. Mm-hmm. Um so I'd have to get lodging in Leadville, which is insanely hard because Leadville is the size of a poster stamp and it fills up immediately. So everyone ends up in Copper, which is 45 minutes away and whatever. So it's all those logistics. And then mm-hmm. I would also need to get a car that could have both my bikes. So I could drive when I'm done with Leadville as if I could see straight to Steamboat, which is also not inexpensive to stay in Steamboat Springs. <laughs> and right. I like for someone who gets so undone by logistics so easily, this was starting to unravel me before I even t- started typing my name into the entry, you know, into the application process. It was just yeah. If I lived closer, it would be a no-brainer, you know, mm-hmm. but eh, it's mid-August. My daughter's graduating high school and we'll be going to college. And I, you know, like I want to be more present and keep my resources elsewhere. So plus I have done both. I've done lead, I've done Leadville and I've done Steamboat. Mm-hmm. Right. So I decided I want to focus on stuff that I haven't done. Maybe some of these lesser, you know, things that are a little bit more under the radar. Um, and I think I put together a pretty good 2020 skeleton for myself. Um, so I'm likely going to kick off uh, the year as I always do with the Kermesse sport stuff, okay. you know, uh, the, yeah, the spring classics here, which kick off a month before spring. Hello, Brian, on February 23rd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He gets lucky. The weather is usually pretty cooperative for us. Like it's been, it's been quite good in years past, uh, with the Sourland Semi Classic, which is just really pretty ride out in that area of Jersey, Pennsylvania. Um, Rock and Road, which did that cool race up here that I did outside of the Velodrome and got the cool monkey prize and stuff. They are talking about doing a sister event in the Pine Barrens of New Jersey. Have you ever ridden there? Nope. Or know anything about it? The devil lives there. You know, the New Jersey devil. That's where he lives, is in the Pine Barrens. Oh, of um, course. Sure. What? Yes. It, yes. You don't know the <laughs> New Jersey Devil? <laughs> There's a new, it's the hockey team, it's their mascot. There's a devil that lives in New Jersey. And if you rode through the Pine Barrens, you would 100% believe in it. I, I have a friend who Georgia. does. Sorry. Well, sorry. <laughs> because it gets cold and miserable in Jersey, and he probably snowbirds. Okay. Seems legit. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I have a friend who does these epic beatdown rides in the Pine Barrens. He gets a little high, maybe, and like forgets I'm with him and just rides and 
Oh my god. And I'm just trying to like stay on the wheel. Anyway, that's a, that's a story for another time. But the Pine Barrens are sand roads for the most part. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. yes, they can be really fast rolling or not really fast rolling. But they go through all these ghost towns. Like literal ghost towns. Like these places that kind of boomed up and then everybody disappeared sort of with whatever industry there was. And it feels very strange. And you feel like there's even though you're in the middle of like you're very close to like giant urban areas out there, but nothing. It's all it's vast nothingness. Really, you're, you're on the set for The Walking Dead. Yes, yeah. I mean, a lot like cranberry bogs and ghost towns. So they're talking about doing a race through there. That sounds pretty co- cool. Monkey knife fight here, which my husband puts on, which is that one where we race up really gnarly steep gravel roads. Uh huh. Very fun. I know this is selling yard. Um, I'm going to be a guest at one of Peaks Coaching Group gravel camps in the Appalachian Mountains. Cool. In April. Yeah, that'll be super rad. That's the first week in April. So if anybody wants to join me, that's going to be, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Grape Gravel Crusher is on my list, which is down in Delaware, that area. It's on a, it's in a vineyard and it's one of those segment races, which I love. So, it's a big fun day and you just race all these sponsored segments and win swag if you if you win them, which is cool. Lulaka Waco Hundo, uh that's another big epic ride in northeastern PA. Yep. And uh my friend Rich who had mentioned earlier wants to go out and try to ride unpaved 120 course twice. This this uh yeah. Yeah, he wants to build his DKXL resume cuz he would like to do that. So he had this brilliant idea to ride two laps of the 120, which I said I would not do, but I would join him for one of them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I was afraid that you were going to say he wasn't talking about doing them on back to back days. No, the same day. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a whole lot of crazy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Which follows up with he, but also like I had wanted to do an Everest, Remember we talked about that a while ago? Yeah, yeah. It's when my climbing uh-huh. book came out. Yep. And then my Everstein buddy, like, wrecked himself in a mountain bike race. So, I wasn't going to do that by myself. So, <laughs> so uh, my friend Rich here is also would like to do an Everest. So, maybe we'll, uh, maybe that will happen. Maybe that will happen on the solstice around June. We'll see. Longest day of the year. Uh-huh. Yep. I mean, the hill I'm thinking of, we'd have to do 37 times. Does that, does that seem high or low to you? <laughs> I can't read your face. Uh, I, it, it sounds unpleasant. <laughs> That's what it sounds. Hmm. <laughs> I bet around 20 it gets real unpleasant. <laughs> oh, I, I was thinking after you topped 10, it would start feeling real. Well, it'll feel real, but things don't get truly, truly miserable until I think you're about two thirds of the way in. Like, that's the that's where you go into, man, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. I'll never do anything like this again. Why am I doing this? This is terrible. Everything hurts. I can't eat. I hate everyone. Yeah. And then you get done and you love everyone again and you think about the next dumb thing. you're gonna. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, then you roll into fall and there's unpaved and iron cross. 
And I'm registered for Big Sugar, which is that one I did in Bentonville, uh, the the pre-ride of. And then um, I'm going to wrap up my season with the Spirit World 100. Do you know about that one? Nope. And that, yeah, that's uh, like the name. one of the, I love the name and I love the idea. And it's by the um, Heidi and Xander who do oh, the cyclist menu. Yeah. Right, 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 right. I did hear that they were doing an event. I just haven't had a chance to look at anything about it. They're sweet, it lovely goes, people. Yes, yes, they are. And it goes from Patagonia, Arizona to the border of Mexico and back. Okay. On November 7th. And it looks rad. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be hard. They're all hard. But, um, you know, it looks like it's a whole it's like a whole weekend of kind of cool rides and karaoke in the desert and great food and a big event. And it's uh, November 7th, I believe, is the actual the spirit, the spirit ride uh, race itself. So that mm. is my that's my that's my sketched out season in a nutshell. Very cool. I mean, I'm impressed that you've actually gone all the way through to November of 2020. Does that surprise you? That's not a a term that I really want to work into this particular conversation. (laughs) Uh, I, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm impressed because like for me, yeah, I started planning my season by that. I mean, I went through the calendar for all the grasshoppers and I put them in my phone and then I, uh, what's available for bike monkeys schedule I've put into my phone and I haven't done anything else yet. And I'm aware that I need to start planning some other, I figured I at least needed to be planned through June that I didn't really need to worry about August, September, October, November, just yet. So all those things that we see your season is so early and maybe that's because of where you are. Mm, it's certainly part of it. Like, I feel like it's it's weird to me that the grasshoppers wrap up so early. Well, they don't wrap up until June. That's early to me. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that feels early to me, especially because there's so many fall events here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it just, it's, I... Yeah, My understanding I was originally they were meant to be training events to get you ready for uh, the meat of the season. Sort of like Kermesse stuff. Yeah, but I mean, even so... You know, how you can call Skag Springs at 96 miles and 10,000 feet of climbing and, you know, 20, 28 miles or so of, of dirt, some of which is single track and crazy steep. How that trains you for anything else other than dirty Kansa, <laughs> I just hmm, don't know. Don't know. I mean, that's the event that I actually wonder ever so slightly if I really will be able to get myself to a, a form of fitness where I'll enjoy finishing it. I've, hmm. I've the two when years. When is that one? May, early May. May. And I've really, I've only survived it. I've, you know, to say I rode it is somehow I feel like overstating the case a little bit. <laughs> I certainly didn't race it. I mean, whew. Uh, are they races officially or are they just sort of like, we're all lined up and we know there's a winner, but it's not officially a race. I mean, that's, well, what, that's how a lot of events are. There's a podium. There is a podium. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that makes it a race. Yeah. It makes it more of a fit. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it is also a uh, gentleman's rules. I mean, because there are occasionally stop signs and whatnot. And you are expected oh, to yeah. behave. 
Yeah. It's not yeah. a closed course yeah. by any means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. I totally yeah. get that. But like Hell of Hunterdon is not actually a race, though. It's full on a race. I mean, everybody knows who won, but there's no podium. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. a. Yeah. It's, yeah. This is a, a step from that. Yeah. Right. I think years ago there was no podium and that has evolved. You know, I'm, gotcha. I'm a relatively recent addition to the grasshopper clan. So it goes, you know, hey. 2020, this is the year that it, you and I and Brian of Kermesse have talked about me actually visiting for one of his events. And mm-hmm. we got to talk about that at some point. I mean, not right now hey. during the show, but we got to talk about that. That's something I do need to work into my calendar somehow. We'll look at the calendar. Yeah. And I will pack all of my neoprene and thermal Everything. and yeah <laughs> and then maybe it'll be 80 degrees and you won't need it it's hard it's like they can go either way yeah i i've picked up on that a little bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway so, yeah cool uh I, well you know as always i'm going to be interested to hear just how things have gone for you one at a time i <laughs> just get just uh it's nice i you know it's just I like this part. I like the process because it sort of uh, gets me out the door on gray winter days. You know, gives me something to think about. Yeah, uh, it's not working for me just yet. And I just saw an update today on Low Gap, the first of the grasshoppers. And uh, it's cold and wet here. And I think I'm going to do Swift this afternoon. That's okay. okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay, so we're going to take a break for our sponsor, Shimano, and we'll be right back. We're going to take a short break for our sponsor, Shimano, and we'll be right back. At Shimano, we love riding, and we know you do too. As a small repayment for all the joy your bike has brought your life, we encourage you to maintain your bike regularly. Genuine Shimano replacement parts will keep your Shimano-equipped bike running smoothly. Whether your bike is built with 105, XTR, or our new gravel group, GRX, a well-maintained bike will operate better and go faster. Worn out a chain? Consider that a badge of honor. You've been riding a lot. Does it sound like metal on metal when you hit your rim brakes? That's a sign it's time for new brake shoes. What if your disc brakes don't feel as crisp as they used to? Cool, you've been going fast. Give them a bleed. Does your chain skip on smaller cogs? You're using all your gears, and now your cassette is shot. Is that old saddle creaking? It may be fatigued because of all the miles you've put in. Consider a saddle from Shimano's Pro line of components. And what about your feet? Cleats can and do wear out, especially the right cleat if you're a cyclocross racer. Whether it is the plastic cleat on a road shoe or metal SPD cleat, they can and do wear out. To keep that love burning bright, show your bike a little TLC and take it by your nearest Shimano dealer to keep it running just like when it was new. Alrighty, we are back with the pace line, the podcast on two wheels. Patrick, give me your poll. What do you got this week? Well, Christmas is coming up, right? Oh my God, so soon. <laughs> with no, with, I can't even believe it because Thanksgiving was so late. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to have Thanksgiving any later than it was this year. Totally. Just, just by a couple days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, so it's Christmas. People are going to give gifts. I'm going to give gifts. 
That said, I honestly have become more aware of how much I consume in terms of stuff. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to pare down how much stuff I have at home. And uh, this weekend, while my kids are away, I'm actually going to cart away a bunch of broken toys that have no hope of future love. And, you know, done under the cover of darkness, I think I'll get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, as a bike and gear reviewer, I have on occasion been accused of being on the consumption end of the equation. That's always bothered me. I've never been okay with it. I think it's fair to say we do replace bikes from time to time. And we also replace helmets and clothing and Mm -hmm. shoes. Mm -hmm. I've got a pair of knee warmers that really should not see the light of day again. Right. It's better than shorts. Oh yeah. Yeah. Fair point. Yes. When they become windows in the sunshine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Time to throw them out people. Yeah, I'm fortunate that I have not made that mistake in quite some time. (laughs) But, you know, the upshot is we've all been there. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. (laughs) I I do truly believe that reviews of this stuff form a valuable service. And if you pull it off right, you know, you give the reader something entertaining in the in the meantime. This year, I'm only going to recommend one item for gift giving. And it's one of my real standbys for this time of year. I bet you can guess. Uh, uh, is it a Perfetto? <laughs> no, but that's actually sort of close. That would that would probably oh. be you know my plan B. Thermal bibs. Hmm. Oh, warm, okay. The well, you talk about the, the yes, you have talked about the thermal bibs a lot. Yeah, yes. yeah. You know, I, I mean, there's so little that is really you know offers you warmth is super versatile and yep. have the yep. ability to just completely change the complexion of a cold day. Yeah. And this is one of those things where hopefully I get to sidestep the whole consumerism thing by saying, I don't care whose you buy. My general take is that Pearl Izumi offers the best value. You've got yep, Rafa and they are mm-hmm. Rafa. Uh, <laughs> Castelli was one of the very first. And then there's always Asos if you want something that's been obsessed over and prototyped 200 times in the last four years. Uh, so there, there yeah. are definite choices out there. Uh, and, you know, just having one of those in your arsenal is just super, super helpful. What I really want to do, though, this year is suggest that people consider giving their friends and loved ones experiences. This may require a little fishing, but taking away for someone away for a weekend, buying them an entry to a cool event or a cycle, mm-hmm. signing up for a cycling vacation. They're all great ways to tell someone you respect where, you know, how you respect where cycling fits in their lives and you appreciate what they get out of it. I am aware that currently we are preaching to the choir. <laughs> But I'm hoping that some of our listeners will send a link to a spouse or family member, or maybe they're thinking of another cycling friend of theirs. So, I mean, the thing is, I've got so many CDs that were, I'm a music nut, right? I've got all these CDs that were given to me by friends and girlfriends, and I can't recall who gave which CD to me or what the occasion was. But, you know, that time I went to Lake Tahoe with my girlfriend rode mountain bikes and saw the Dave Matthews band. Holy cow. I will never, 
ever forget that weekend. That was so wonderful. And I look at those photos from that and it's like, that was not all that expensive, you know, yeah. less yeah. than a set of wheels. <laughs> and you put so, it that way. <laughs> yeah. And so that's what I'm really thinking about. You know, they, we, we've been looking, there's more and more media looking at how much we here in the U S consume and, you know, try some people trying to make suggestions that, yeah, we should think a little bit about how we participate in this world. And, you know, surveys of people nearing the end of their lives, talking to them about, well, what do you really end up valuing? And they always talk about how travel was one of the great things in their lives. And so I'm going to say, yeah, look at that. Consider that instead of getting the, oh, I better not mention any brand names. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I could wake up dead. Uh, But yeah. No, you wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Technically, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And, you know, so to your point about thinking about the events you're doing, I'm thinking about, well, I ought to go away for something, really go away for something and not just Mm -hmm. like fly in the day before, do the event, fly back out the next day. I I need to go away and, and really be with a place for just a little bit. And yeah. This year, yeah, I'm going to do that once or twice. I have no idea what I'm settling on just yet. I do have some friends in the Netherlands, though. They're going to be there for between two and five years. Oh. I've never done the Netherlands. I don't think I need a bike event for that. No. I, I, but if there was a gravel event, is there a gravel event in the Netherlands? That's a good question. Ooh. I'm going to think. I should talk to oh. Nick Legan at Shimano because he wrote the other gravel book that's out there. And, and he focused much more on events. Yeah. Like that book has many more events in it. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe we should have Nick on the show to consult about things we ought to be thinking about. Hmm. We don't normally plan the show on the show, do we? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Usually inside baseball. But, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know if there's an, I, it seems to me there must be an event almost everywhere at this point in time, but, uh, but there's lots of riding there, even if yeah. it's not a, you know, like you could definitely ride a bike there that I, that I can tell you. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is I think about it and I, you know, like to go over there and do some grand fondo with 7,000 other people, yeah. but say 1500 people doing a gravel event or 500 people doing a gravel yeah. event. In the Netherlands? Uh-huh. Yeah. I'll That's clear cool. my calendar. Yeah. yeah. I would I would go as far as to say that I'd be willing to miss out on finishing the whole of the Grasshopper series to do that. I think that's reasonable. I hope that's, that's not a prediction. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I may be painting myself into a narrow area. Uh <laughs> kind of cool i fully i fully agree with you though i mean i am i am a hundred percent on board with experience over stuff i I always like i'm hugely hugely into that it's just stuff kind of weighs me down that travel never does yeah yeah i was looking at my garage earlier and it's like oh i've i've got some work here to do (laughs) a lot of books i'm not gonna open again uh yeah totally get it yep uh very cool. Well, what do you say we Speaking move on? Speaking of stuff. 
Yeah. And speaking yeah. of stuff. Right. Yeah. Roll into baseline picks. Uh, yeah. Well, so it goes. <laughs> yeah. There is. A, well, I mean, yes, there is a time and a place for stuff for sure. I mean, we can't ride bicycles without bicycles. We can't. And we do wear out things. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's just being mindful. And I fully respect that. And uh, it's funny. The I don't know what I was talking about. What were you talking about when I was talking? I had men- made the statement that I have a hard time finding good gloves. So, like, my hands are always the problem. I don't even remember what the what our polls were, but mm-hmm. I think it was one of the recent shows. And a couple of people chimed in, messaged me that I should try Dissident 133. It's a layering system out of the UK where it is often cold and rainy and yucky. All of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I contacted them and they very graciously sent me a system of theirs to, to try. And it's, it's pretty cool. So, uh, and pretty ingenious when you think about how we dress, like when you think about how we dress for bad weather, what do we do? We layer, right? Mm-hmm. We have a base layer. We have, a, I mean, I've, I've written this a billion times, but I've never really successfully done it for my hands. You know, like I, I Things have always not worked well together or I just whatever. Well, they have. That's their whole thing. So the the system has four different gloves in it. So it's got a silk layer, like a very light, silky kind of glove. It's got a knit, which is sort of a heavier base layer, if you will. And then it's got a light wind rain shell and a heavier wind rain shell. Okay. And then the, you're not meant to wear all four at the same time, but you can wear three, you okay. know, and like they have a little chart that shows you like if it looks like this and if it's this degrees and it's this layer them up this way. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty remarkable because I took them out. I went out today and it was super windy and about 34 degrees, you know, so I wore oh. the in heavy overcast. So I wore the thin uh, silk. And not the heaviest ones, but just the the wind barrier. And my hands were super comfortable. Mm. Like the no wind got through at all. And it's nice too because you have a lot of dexterity. Like the it's that was my big question. It's not that but they're not bulky. You know, and a lot of the gloves that I have that I would wear in the same conditions add quite a bit of bulk to my hands. Um a friend of mine at at the magazine I who also has a set has tried the the super duper heavy duty rainproof ones he's like and they are he, he assured me he did a a ride and it went on sunday while i was inside he was doing some mountain biking and he said they kept his hands warm and dry like he had maybe the knit and the heavier duty uh rain ones on so yeah the, this the system itself is not cheap it's 125 bucks but you're also getting arguably a lot of gloves for that well you I know mean- and, you get all, when you buy Dissident 133, you get four gloves for one. Yes. Okay. So you're getting the whole system. You're not gradually buying into the system. No, you're getting the whole system. Well, $125 sounds like a steal. I mean, it's easy to spend $35. Because you a lot of gloves. Yeah. Yes. It's so easy to spend $35 on one pair of gloves. Triple that, you're at $125. So you're getting more than that. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Now it's. They yeah. have it. They have it pretty figured out, you know. And he, the guy, was familiar. He's like with Pennsylvania winter. He's like, I think it'll get you through. So, I mean, <laughs> nothing, you know. When it gets into the low twenties, I have no anticipation that this system is. But I'll give it a shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's cold, cold. But 
We'll see. We'll see. But so far for reasonable cold, they are very successful. For reasonable cold and wind and wet, they have been uh they've been a pleasant surprise. Wow. My hands were very comfortable. Yeah. Hmm. I may have to look into them myself. Yeah, yeah. They're pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah. I uh Thanksgiving morning I was supposed to join a bunch of friends for a mountain bike ride. We were gonna go up to Lake Il Sanjo and and at all state park and hang out by the oh, yeah, lake. You mentioned that. I didn't show up. Cause it was cold. It was 32 degrees and it was going to get colder out there. I know that once I got back into some of those areas that it would be even colder than that. And even though I had promised my 10 year old that he was going to have time by himself alone, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he was really excited about that. Yeah, yeah I'm sure he was. And, uh, he finally, was like dad and i'm like i i can't do it i'm sorry i can't <laughs> i can't i just pretend i'm not here i'm i am not yet ready to suffer in that I, way i understand that i do i do understand that like it got real cold real fast here and i had that same like oh, i need my blood's not thickening up yet um but yeah, yeah like now i'm just i've accepted it i'm sort of in that place well, part of it for us was we went from Indian summer to winter in four days. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking around going, wait, uh, did I miss a press release? Uh, yeah, it was, it was sudden and firm. And I've already done two rides that were like, you know, high forties and damp. And mm-hmm. oh, I, I don't know how I'm going to ease myself into it, but I have not yet it's something within me it's not for lack of equipment okay (laughs) i've I've got all the gear to get me through but there's just something internally that still think i joked on facebook to some friends like i'm sorry i'm still cold from fish rock which was last march march (laughs) yeah yeah i'm still cold from fish rock and so i'm just i mean i wasn't kidding when i i willpower is a slowly renewed resource right like i feel like and a finite. <laughs> yeah. You got to let it, you know, once you tap into that well, you got to let it refill um, and give it time to refill. And you can't just willy nilly go out there and tap into That's how I feel anyway. Like, otherwise, you're just going to burn the hell out. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I remember getting to that point somewhere in the winter, maybe early February, where I had done so many cold wet training rides i realized i needed to save all the rest of that for events and i just started doing lots of zwift workouts and otherwise i don't know how i would have gotten through april <laughs> yeah well yeah you, you you had a yeah superpower yeah. weather but anyway <sighs> yeah i hope we do not have another one of those winters but right now <laughs> we're having another <laughs> one of those winters <gasps> oh golly and i get <laughs> everybody who's snickering yep I get it. Not a real winter here. I know. I know. I know. Everyone in Wisconsin, we see you. <laughs> and we do respect you. Uh, yes. But there's this thing called Mayflower Movers. Just saying. <laughs> it's okay. I'm like, what's in, what's the secret to a Mayflower? And I get it. I, did, I, did. I was thinking yeah. I needed a Mayflower Mover. Maybe I do. Anyway. Um, okay. Not why we're here. What is yeah. your pick? <laughs> Well, I do actually have another thing you can buy either for yourself or someone, you know, socks. Okay. We all need socks socks. and even good socks die eventually. 
When it comes to good wool socks that may see use six months or more of the year, I'm going to recommend another Pearl Izumi product. They're Merino Thermal Sock. Because I like those socks. Oh my, I'm wearing them right now. (laughs) I just adore these things. You know, unlike so many other wool socks I have, these, they just don't go threadbare. So many times I've lost count of like how many really cool and comfy wool socks I picked up only to have the heel become see-through after four cycles of washing and wearing, you know, and I, and I may only have worn them twice on rides and just the other times in sneakers. And yet heel is threadbare. And unlike Eleanor Rigby, I do not darn socks in the night or, Oh, that was father McKenzie. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) She did something else. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my, my, we're going to have to start footnoting the show because of me. It's it's fine. The arcane Uh, references are going over some people anyway. It's all good. The Beatles fans are cheering me wildly and no one else. Uh, My, my almost apologies. But, uh, you know, one of the other options out there is if you want something, there are a lot of really cool socks being made, just super stylish socks being made these days. And one of my favorite is actually a company that's uh, been formed by some friends of mine in the industry, the Freshly Minted. The socks are stylish, they're Mm -hmm. durable, and for every pair sold, they give money to the National Interscholastic Cycling Association, you know, high school mountain biking. Yeah. And so, you know, you get a cool pair of socks and you know that, you know, more kids are going to get on mountain bikes because of it. It's, you know, it's really nice. And yeah, truly, their designs are super cool. Honestly, to be fair, Pearl Izumi socks, if you're not just buying the standard gray, they've got some much more attractive designs than they used to have. So even theirs are more attractive these days. But man, the sock game is insane these days. It is, and and I'm glad to see it because I, I feel like, and I'm not going to name any names, but I'm not, but back back in the day... There was a company that was very popular back in the day that made a lot of pretty cool socks that lasted a long time. And then not just them, but a couple other popular sock companies. There was a stretch of years where they were not good. Like they, like they, the toes would come through very quickly. Like I got, Mm -hmm. like I had socks that literally I could wear for five years and all of a sudden, like I have socks that didn't make it a year. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I'm I am happy and appreciative to see like some quality socks because uh, it sounds silly, but it's a big deal. <laughs> like your socks are a huge part of your comfort uh, yeah. all the time and let alone when you're outside on a bicycle. Yeah. Well, and now that, you know, you've got companies like Pearl and others that are sourcing these really high quality Merinos and Pearl is making they're going to great lengths to make sure that they're sourcing responsibly. Yeah, they are. And, you know, that's nice to know. And it's not just that I need something that's ultra green. I like knowing that people care about their supply chain. Yeah. And that's a nice touch for sure. Yeah. And so, yeah, that matters. And my feet are happy. (laughs) Win-win. There is always the bottom line, right? (laughs) See what you did there. And that one I just sort of backed into, but you know, (laughs) shoot you score sometimes. Oh, well, that's a wrap on another episode of the pace line. 
Celine, we got to talk now about that little piece of news you wrote about lifetime buying Crusher and the Tusher. Yep. I mean, that's not an event I would have guessed that they'd be looking at. So I was a little surprised. I was surprised surprised too. Yeah. I was surprised too. I, I can't, I, 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 I've spent a lot of time with the lifetime people, you know? Um, and I know that they, it's interesting. So I knew when I published that it was going to get a lot, an avalanche of upset people. And it did indeed get an avalanche of upset people. And, you know, like a lot of, uh, oh, great. Another lottery event I'll never get into, you know, like that, Mm. that, that, that's been sort of the reply or like, even people that weren't that snarky were just like, do you think this is good? You know, this, this, this corporate buying of, of all these, these gravel events. And, and let's be clear. It's, it's lifetime has bought two. (laughs) I mean, they bought Leadville, they bought Leadville too. And that, you know, that is, that's a mountain bike event, but, um, and they started their own, which is the big sugar. I mean, they didn't buy that. They created it. Uh, I have pretty good inside knowledge that their, their game, they're not looking to buy, to just monopolize everything and buy everything. I mean, that does not seem to be their MO or what they're interested in. Uh, they, they would like a good representation of events around the country is my understanding, you know, is, is maybe their, their end goal. Um, it's hard. It's hard. It's just hard for me to, to, I mean, I understand like why people are upset, but also I talk to T-Bird, you know, uh, Burke Swindlehurst, who is the Crusher and the Tusher event promoter. I talked to him yesterday quite a bit mm-hmm. and he was, it, this was a really hard decision for him. It was not, he did not do it lightly. And uh, as someone who puts on, or I don't do it, but I'm, I'm here and I see all the work that goes into putting on an event with like 800 to a thousand people. It is an astonishing amount of work. People just don't have any idea what goes into it. Like, you just, it's so hard to, like, the the sleepless nights and the logistics and the things that you, the meetings and the the permits and all of that. Um, It's just, and the merchant, there's so much. And it's just him and his wife, you know? And they've been doing it for 10 years and they've built this thing. But, you know, he's, He's just like he's at the end of his bandwidth all the time. She's a school teacher. Every summer of hers is spent doing this thing. And they've built this really amazing thing. But my God, like, what do you where do you go with it if you don't do this? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that's it, already consuming you. It does not get easy. It gets mm-hmm. a little easier after year one, sure. But if you've got six to eight hundred people coming every like that doesn't that's never easy. There's nothing easy about that. Yeah. Um you know, and what and what Lifetime does, and they really do, they come in and they don't come in and say, we're going to change your whole thing. They want you to continue to run your event. Like, they want him and his wife to continue to be the face and the spirit and the runners of that event. Yep. What, they, what their MO is, is to say, what do you need from us? You know, resources, manpower, and all that. So, yes, do they grow the things? Yes, they do. There's absolutely no... Are they a corporation? Yes, they are. Do they try to keep the spirit of the event? You bet. Like, you can go to any of those events, and they're still pretty much the same. I've gone to Leadville, and I've gone to Kansas at post-lifetime, and it's still Jim on Main Street, you know, in Emporia, and it's still... So, 
I get that the, all of a sudden, I mean, I think the larger problem, if you want to call it that, is that, yes, uh, odds are that it's going to, like, I don't think Crusher was one of those events that would close in four minutes. It might become that. And is that a drag? You bet. Um, I don't know. But I, you can't fault it. And I, I do, do believe, like I said earlier in the show, that it fertilizes the ground. Like, it just, like, you know, other events will benefit from this exposure, from this wave that that's continues to rise. And, you know, it's not going to... It, Gravel, as we know it, yes, it is like the new American road racing. I firmly believe that. And at some point it'll plateau. I don't think it's ever going away. But yes. it's, um, you know, I mean, I think it's going to continue. But it's, we are in the throes of the, the, the growth and the explosion of it. And it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change. I mean, yes, what, what people are saying, the spirit and the culture, and I get that, I get that, I get that. You can still find it. But there's mm-hmm. going to be corporate... Uh, uh, there's, there's also going to be a corporate experience in it. There, ha- uh, there has to be, and it's not. That's not all for the worst of the sport. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, my experience going to Dirty Kansas before the purchase, the the little expo area near uh, registration in downtown Emporia, it was. I I mean no disrespect, but it was anemic. And no. then after Lifetime came in, you know, every company that had some sort of presence in the gravel market had a 10 by 10 or a 10 by 20 there, yeah. uh, behind main street, uh, behind what is that? Com- uh, commerce. Yeah. Uh, and Holy cow. I never made it all the way through the whole, uh, yeah, the, the whole. Enormous. Yeah. And yeah, I had stuff to get ready and, you know, attend to the, <laughs> the pre-race meeting and all that. <laughs> so yeah. And then out on the course, it was no different. It, no you know, different out in the course. Yeah. No different roughly the same number of people. And so, yeah, there was, it did not upset anything. And I noted, yeah. Uh, Burke's quote in your piece about, you know, this is just going to give us more resources. And I know from being around event promoters, usually it's that, that last piece of their bandwidth of just being completely stretched thin in terms of making those, making sure those last details are buttoned up that, that's one of the things that kind of leads to the burnout of people deciding I'm not putting that on this year. Totally. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it, 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 yes, you know, and I don't care who you are or what you do. Like that's why, you know, events rely so heavily on volunteers and that's hard, you know, too, just because like you can't possibly, you just don't have the manpower. You can't hire everybody. You can't, Yeah. you know, so it's, uh, to have that kind of um, an engine behind you supporting you, you cannot argue with that. You, you can't. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I really appreciate and respect that, you know, when you're looking at, well, I'd like the event to continue. And if it could be better, that would be really nice. You know, there aren't many ways to get there. No. I mean, you got to no, figure I mean, he was already making the best event that he could. Totally. Totally. And he, you know, and he, you know, he capped it. He didn't, he never grew it past like year four because that's all they had the bandwidth to do. And it was fine. Um, but it's still like, it's still a whole lot of work, you know, and like to not be able to, you would have to hire a bunch of people. And then like, that's, that's hard to do is just a couple, right? That's a whole other venture. Like it's a whole other venture to start that kind of enterprise where you have employees and, you know, some people do it like, uh, Tyler, 
uh, Ren, you know, who does the Fort Fortifondo. Like some people are <laughs> cut out for that, but you know, I mean, you'll appreciate it. T-Bird was like, I'm kind of an introvert and I really don't want to have all a bunch of employees, you know, and I'm like, I understand. That's <laughs> a man after my own heart. <laughs> exactly. I was like, I totally get it. Yeah. So. Oh, very cool. Well, yeah. you know, I look forward to hearing more neat things about that event. So, yeah. Yeah. I've never done it. I've always wanted to, but it's never worked out. So got to get out there and check one it out. One of these days. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, everybody, keep those questions coming. You all have been sending some great stuff. If you've got an idea, please drop by RKP and put a suggestion in the comments or email us. Don't forget our Paceline kits from Primal. They are up in the RKP store. Before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for RKP's other podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. Because of my new gig with CAMTB, the show will be on hiatus through the end of the year, but it will be back next year with a whole host of really cool interviews that I'm in the process of lining up. I've got some great guests who have agreed to do interviews. Uh, among them, Rob Vandermark of Seven Cycles. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about that one. <laughs> I spent so long formulating the questions for him. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) we hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.